if you're using Shopify, you, you have a data feed of all your products that can get imported into Google. So it's, it's a simple way. You don't have to create manual individual ads. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn the foundational skills that are always relevant from business to business, how they were able to compete better by having a larger and heavier product, and why they chose to go with Google Ads instead of guest posting or SEO. Today, I'm joined by Eugene Rabitsky from Factory Peer. Factory Peer sells a wide variety of items, including generators, direct from the manufacturer. And was started in 2013, based out of San Antonio, Texas, and did $34 million in revenue in 2021. Welcome, Eugene. Hey, Felix. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so the business was started to initially to bring quality air care products to the masses, which is, you know, a very hot topic, hot commodity these days. But since then, you've expanded and pivoted several times. Tell us more about the original idea, uh, the genesis behind the business. Um, yeah, so when we started Factory Pure in 2013, we, we started as a air purifier company. So that's where the name Factory Pure actually originated. And um, so it, the reason that we got into air purifiers is it was fairly easy to get started with a dropship model. So we we just had to throw up kind of a generic website. And a lot of the brands were willing to work with companies that didn't have any track record or, or sales or, or anything. So it was, it was very easy to get started. And so what we quickly found out was it, it's also very hard to compete. So the same reasons why it's easy to get started are, are the, the reasons why there's no barriers to entry. And so we we pivoted several times and landed on what we do now, which is primarily power equipment generators. We, we do a lot of other products, but generators make up a, a big chunk of what we do. And so what we found was with generators or with, with heavy equipment in general, the manufacturers are a lot less willing to drop ship. And so we happen to have, have a warehouse that our, our, uh, our father was not using at the time. So we were able to, to move into that and, and take advantage of, of that resource that a lot of other companies didn't have. And so uh, at the time, it's not so much anymore, but at the time there was a lot less competition because you had to have places to store the equipment. You had to have machinery to move it. You had to get shipping rates that would be sufficient to compete with a lot of the bigger guys. And so that that's one area that we pivoted to and, and worked out better than, than air purifiers. You mentioned that it was an easy industry to get into the dropship model at first. What's your, what's your background? How did you even decide that, oh, this is uh, a business opportunity? My, my brother and I, we, we started this business. His name is Mike. And before we, we did Factory Pure, we had a, another e-commerce company where we sold electronics. We learned a lot from e-commerce in general in the first business. So we decided, let's just stick with what we know. When we started Factory Pure, it was a lot easier to scale because, you know, there were Shopify and several companies similar that that allowed you to create a, a scalable website yourself that does all the backend analytics, all the administrative, which we didn't have with the first business. 
Yeah. So multiple businesses and also pivots within the kind of same business. What were some of the kind of foundational skills or, or truths that carried from one business, one pivot to the other that always just was dependable as a, as a skill or just a truth that, that always persisted? The main thing for us was was just getting the knowledge of ads. So Google ads primarily is, is what we how we started advertising and, and primarily still what we do. Um, and, and Google ads, it's, it's such an animal that it's very easy to to overspend and, and not getting anything out of it. So it was mainly kind of nurturing the tactics for Google shopping ads, figuring out what keywords people are searching for, figuring out what keywords don't convert and removing those keywords. So that that is basically identical from one e-commerce shop to the next. When you made this uh, this pivot into um, generators, much heavier product, um, what were, were your kind of first steps to to getting started? Because it sounds like a, a capital intensive business to start to like these generators, like I'm, I'm in the shipping and everything, the logistics of it all. How were you able to kind of get this off the ground? Our first account where we were required to take, uh, at the time it was, I think, 10 generators. And so <laughs> we decided, yes, that's what we want to do. We knew that we had a warehouse. We didn't have any, you know, any shelving, any storage. We, so we told them, yes, ship the generators and, you know, we have a warehouse to put it in. And then we quickly realized, well, we don't even have a forklift. We don't have a way to unload this from the tr- freight truck. We don't have a way to package and ship it outbound. So while the items were being sent, we were quickly scouring Craigslist trying to find a, a forklift and, and we found one, we got it in time. So we, we started off where we, we moved into our, our father's warehouse and he had a couple of uh, offices that we were able to use. And, uh, you know, if we didn't have that, I, I'm not sure if we would have really moved forward in this venture, kind of taken, taken that risk, but because we, we had that lined up, we were able to reach out to brands and tell them, Hey, we, you know, we have, somewhere where we can store your product, let us know your pricing. And, and with that, uh, most of them were, were fairly receptive. Do you remember how much those 10 generators cost at that time, that first initial kind of order? The first order, so they were, they were actually refurbished generators and they were, they're about a thousand dollars each. And uh, which now it's, most of these companies, they'll, they'll require either uh, like a thirty fifty thousand dollar initial buy at the time it was less, but still substantial for us. And so we, you know, we, we, we did have the funds, but it was a lot of money for us. And so we, we thought it was worth taking the risk. Makes sense. Now at this, at this time, these, these 10 generators, were you selling B2B, B2C, like your, who were the initial customers and how were you able to find them? It was, it was all B2C. So, so we had our, our website up already that we were selling air purifiers and we just threw up generators there as a category and, and listed the products and, and it went to the end consumer. That, that's interesting. So the demographic or the, the market, the traffic that you're getting for the air purifiers translated, translated well to, to, uh, to generators as well. It's definitely different traffic and different demographic, but with, with Google ads, it's, it's very easy to, to pivot and, and kind of change who you're targeting even by your campaign. So it, it really wasn't difficult to have, a few different product types that had different demographics. That makes sense. Okay, so th- we'll, we'll touch on this in a bit. I think one of the the advantages of your your marketing approach allows you to be much more nimble because there's not so much a you're not really kind of tied down, I guess, so much to um, the kind of products that that you're selling. Um, so actually, let's get into that. So you initially you you had a site running already selling air purifiers. Was all the traffic coming? Uh, 
coming from paid acquisition and barely any from organic? Like what was the, the mix at the time? It, it was mostly paid ads. So we, we did, we did a lot of guest posting and, and, and trying to get our, our natural SEO link juice up. And so we, we spent six, eight months writing at that time, since we were doing air purifiers, we were writing articles. We would reach out to blogs on allergies and asthma. And so we were writing these guest posts for them and then they would include our links. So we did have some organic traction, but as we scaled to other products, we decided to kind of forego that since it was very time consuming. So we, we decided to forego the, the guest posting and the manual work and, and go heavier on ads. So it was a little bit of both, but much, much heavier on ads, especially as we added new product categories. Why do you think that that didn't work as well as um, you would have hoped the, the kind of organic, the guest posting route? Was it specific to your industry? Like what, what, what was it? Do you think that that kind of didn't make it work? For us, it was just very time consuming. So it's, 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 it's very manual. So you have to do the research on higher authority sites that would allow you to write guest posts. You had to reach out to them and, you know, a very small percentage actually responded and, and allowed you to write guest posts. And of course you had to actually write them. So it was, it was just very, very slow. And it, usually with SEO, that's not abnormal. It'll take six months, a year, two years before you, you get that traction. So uh, it's, it's I would say it's not per se that it didn't work. We just kind of abandoned it because we thought our resources and time would be better spent elsewhere. Makes sense. Okay, so you decided let's go with Google Ads. Is that also a strategy that you use today? We still go very heavy on Google Ads. Yes, we, we, we've just recently dabbled in, in Facebook Ads, which is a little more manual than Google. So it's kind of have to roll them out individually. Yeah, still, mm-hmm. still mostly ads on our side. You know, in other industries, what what matters a lot is probably more the customer service and the content is what will convince someone that hey, you can actually bring in that benefit to to a, a brand. What was it in your space? So my my answer was usually fairly simple: is that you know where we've uh, throughout the years developed amazing keyword analysis. You know, we're not going to target the same keywords that everybody else is. And, uh, you know, we, we, the brands that we, we currently carry, we've kind of nurtured over the years, what keywords work. We've, we've done a lot with negative keywords. Um, the other thing too, is that at the time when we were trying to push refurbished a little bit more and, um, we, we, we might, we might still rank very high. I'm not sure, but we were, when, when you tapped in refurbished generators on, on Google, we were the, the number one result, actually the number one and number two result. It was the, our main page and then our generator page. And this was all like ads. This is, or this is just organic. Yeah. Organic, so this okay. is, this is organic. And I think just because there's not a lot that, that did the refurbish. And so we, we were able to rise pretty, pretty high organically with, with those keywords. So it was a combination of the two and, and, you know, so just give us a shot and we, we were even okay with the probationary period to, for them to see what we can do. Yeah. And you know, one thing I've noticed too, is that one of your, your top selling products I'm looking at is that there's this in stock, uh, notification or rather in stock, uh, badge maybe on this page, but also it also lists a, a coupon code to use. And when I, I think it's a real interesting approach where you could just, you know, discount the product right off the bat, but is there some, some kind of psychological thing about, Hey, use this coupon code and you get uh, you know, $20 off or whatever. 
there definitely is to, to a point. So some products will, will put a coupon code regardless because it, it you know, people like to, we, we get asked all the time, is there a discount on this product? So it kind of saves that question. Uh, other products are, are map products. So you can't actually advertise it in Google below a certain amount, but you can still sell it below a certain amount. So the, those are the two reasons, but some of these products, the reason that we put the coupon code in there is uh, because we can't actually advertise the product lower mm. than, than what it's listed for. <laughs> the first cup of coffee, it was awful. Meet Rod Johnson, co-founder of Black & Bold, a premium specialty coffee and tea company powered by Shopify. The journey of Black & Bold started with us opening our online Shopify store while we were burning beans in my business partner's garage. Shopify allows us to stay true to our mission by having an easily customizable and responsive site that make it very easy for novices to try their hand in becoming entrepreneurs. Get a free 14-day trial at shopify.com slash podcast. I want to pivot to the Google ads because I think this is a, a, a kind of the, the, the muscle, the, 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 the horsepower behind the business. Um, for someone brand new that hasn't ventured into Google ads, like where should they even begin? Like wh- what is their specific, maybe even before they decide that, is there a specific type of business or industry where this kind of, uh, this kind of approach makes mo- more sense than others? I think anytime that you're selling a product, Google shopping is a very easy place to start. So essentially through Shopify, if you're, if you're using Shopify, you, you have a data feed of all your products that can get imported into Google. And so it's very easy. You can throw all your products into Google and start, start getting traction that way. So it's, it's a simple way. You don't have to create manual individual ads like you, like you do if you're going to do text ads. So with shopping ads, you can throw the whole data feed in there. Um, the, you know, the thing to, to really be concerned about when you do that is you, you need to have some kind of hierarchy for your campaign. So I, I would say probably hire an ad agency to set that up for you. And then you, you can probably manage it yourself, or you can, you can pay them to manage it individually, because what can happen is it, with Google, if, if you're not targeting the right keywords, or I should say, if you're not removing keywords that don't convert, it can get very, very expensive. So they have what's called negative keywords in your ads where you can, you can put negative keywords to where your ads won't show up if somebody's searching those keywords. And some examples of that would be if somebody's looking for a product manual or somebody's looking for troubleshooting or whatnot, you don't want to, of course, pay for them to click on your ad because you know mm-hmm. they're not shopping for a product. Uh, and the other, the other traps are just very generalized keywords. So if somebody's searching for something very vague, like, you know, we sell water heater. So if somebody's just searching for water heater, it's a very low chance that they actually convert because they could be looking for anything. They can be looking for same, well, same thing. They can be looking for troubleshooting. They can be looking for manual. They can be looking for a water heater, but they have no idea what they want at that point. And so we try to target longer tailed keywords where people are a little bit further into the process and they know what they want. So they're searching not just for a water heater, but they're searching for a specific brand or a specific size or a fuel type. And the more of these keywords that you can stack together, if people are searching for that phrase, they're more likely ready to buy. And so, you know, let's say you have $50 a day to spend on ads. You'd want those $50 going to those longer tailed keywords than somebody searching for water heaters. 
Yeah, and and what what about your approach? And you know, you know, to reveal any trade secrets here, but what about your particular approach is not replicatable from your competitors? If they know, if everyone might or other competitors might carry the same brands, they know that the names, and uh, they can understand when someone's searching for a SKU or searching for a specific name and model, and they're able to identify that they, those users are higher intent for purchase. Why don't they just do the same thing? Well, you, you certainly can replicate it to an extent, you know, you, you can, there's free keyword tools out there where you can see what, what people are searching for, but what they don't have access is seeing what actually converts, you know, so they can, they can see what's bringing traffic to your website per se, but they don't know which of those customers actually convert. That's something that only, you know, and so you can then reinvest more money into those campaigns that, that actually convert. Got it. So it's almost like you're you're paying to learn about what works and also what doesn't work because you had mentioned negative keywords is a great way to kind of uh, um, squeeze more margin out of the, the these ads, um, and then over time just making these tweaks based on your 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 sales numbers. Right, and and you do have to give it a certain amount of time. You know, you can't just put an ad for one day and say, oh, you know, this word converted and that one didn't. You know, you'll you'll want to refine that over a few month period to, to really trust the data. So there, you know, there will be some, some initial expenditure to figure out what works and what doesn't before you can uh, kind of curb back the ones that don't work. Yeah. And you had mentioned too about your foray into Facebook ads, which is, you know, typically higher up in the, the funnel, usually less uh, intense as if someone was just searching for the, the, the brand name itself. What's your approach there? Like where, how do you know what to target and then where are you bringing these, these, um, these customers? What's nice about Facebook is you can get a lot more, you can get a lot more granular on who you're targeting than you can with Google because Facebook knows basically everything about you. So you can, you can target people based on anything from, you know, what, what they do for a living to actually what they've already liked on Facebook. So if they've liked, you know, perhaps a brand that you carry or they've liked, one of your competitors website or whatnot, you can, you can target them based on that. And of course, age demographics and and everything like that Uh, with Facebook for, for me, it's been a little bit more of a manual process because you do have to create one ad at a time. So essentially what I've done is, you know, I, I, from our Google ads, we know what our demographics are and then I'm able to search those out in, in, uh, on Facebook right now we, we deal with a lot of, trades. So we deal with a lot of electricians, we deal with plumbers that are actually installing these generators. And so uh, they'll, they'll buy, you know, whatever they need and, and five, six at a time sometimes, and they'll install it locally. And, and so we're, we're targeting those kind of key terms when we can, as opposed to individual consumers. That makes sense. And I'm sure you, you know this much more than I do. Being from Texas, is there an uptick in demand like when there are uh, natural disasters or these kind of issues where people desperately need a power generator much, much you know sooner than they're just kind of planning for something? Certainly, there's certainly a big uptick anytime, anytime there's any kind of disaster. So in the fall, there's usually hurricanes in you know, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, almost every year it's at least one if not a handful and generally when they announce that a hurricane is on its way 
all their local Home Depots and Lowe's, every, everything, everybody sells out because they don't have that much inventory. So people then switch to looking online, uh, which also kind of is, is its own logistical issue of, of getting it there before the storm, which is sometimes possible and sometimes not. And you can't really get it there after the storm because, you know, there's usually debris and or, or flooding. And so it can be a month until you get them the item. But certainly you see last year in Texas here, we had that major freeze, which was uh, very atypical for us. And, uh, and it spurred demand. So a lot of people lost power. It, last year, Texas was our, our number one market, in which usually it's number four or five. And so just that, that disaster in, in February spurred demand for the rest of the year because people wanted to make sure that the following year they were more prepared. Mm. Uh, we had a few years or two, three years ago where, where California started having their, you know, their wildfire issues and their, they were shutting power down to, to people's homes without any notice. So then, then California became a hotspot. So it's certainly any, any new disasters that happen or any new uh, kind of infrastructure issues can, can lead to, to that, that market being either temporarily or, or permanently a, a new fixture. Do you have to do it react in any certain way with the business, like logistically or, or, or anything really staffing or anything like that when, when you maybe anticipate this kind of stuff happening? It, it's usually, so it, it's, it's generally, it's, it's very sudden. So it's, it's nothing that we can really uh, react to when it happens, but we try to be prepared at least, you know, for things like hurricanes, because they happen every year. So we try to, by the summertime, be prepared. Um, we'll have, we usually have one more customer service rep than we, we actually need just because we know in the second half of the year, it could be very, very busy. Uh, lately, of course, every industry has had supply chain issues. So it's been, it's been more difficult. Uh, we, we just finished a, a second warehouse right next to our, our current warehouse. So, so our goal is, now that we have a lot of space that by the summertime we're, we'll, we'll have a lot, we'll be able to order a lot more inventory than we, we've previously been able to. And that way, by the time those disasters hit, we'll be able to ship them right away as opposed to, you know, waiting for the manufacturer to send it to us and, and then sending it out to the customers. Can you tell us more about what kind of um, services or apps that you use to, to power a lot of these features on your website? We, we, so we, some of these features, we have apps and some of these, we have, we have some backend systems that, that were just custom made. So the, the features where we can adjust the, what we can adjust how the shipping time for a certain product is displayed on the front end. That's, that's uh, something custom that we had created on the back end that makes it very easy for myself, who doesn't have a technical background to do. Um, there's, there's a lot of great native Shopify apps that are available, anything from, creating a menu for you to, you know, we use, uh, we use an app to send purchase orders, for example. So on our products that are drop shipped, we have an app called simple purchase orders. So we can select, you know, 10 orders and press a button and it'll, it'll send out to their respective manufacturers and they'll know to ship the product where before it was all manual. We would just type up an email to this manufacturer and say, we need this shipped over here and then go on to the next one where now we can do all that with one click, uh, we use an app for our, our, our upsells and cross-sells that we, we discussed previously, which shows our related products or, you know, similar to the products that you're looking at. That's something that we had built custom. Our cross-sell and upsell app, it, that's, it's actually called cross-sell. So we use an app for that that our developer 
adjust kind of customize the front end to match to our website, but on the back end, it's all the cross sell app. We have, uh, we use an app called follow up email and marketing. So it'll, it'll send an email to the customers after their order, maybe a month or so and see how they're doing. We have a couple of apps that can check for fraud, which is, we're not in a very high risk industry, but we, we still will have some fraud, which any e-commerce business will deal with. So we have, we have a company called no fraud, which they check every single order and uh, they don't cover the chargeback if there is one, but they'll check every order and give you an assessment if they think it's legitimate or not. And then if we still have some con- concerns, we have another app called signified, which does cover chargebacks, but they'll take 4% of the, the revenue uh, of the item to do so. Awesome. So factorypeer.com is the website. I'll leave you this last question. Uh, so, you know, business is, is, it sounds like it's doing great. You've been able to scale it to $34 million in, in revenue last year. What do you think is the next then for the business? Like, what's the next stage? We, we have a few things that we're working on. We're, we're really trying to, uh, the last couple of years, we, we've, we've placed very heavy focus on our infrastructure. So we grew a lot more quickly than we were ready for. And so now we're taking the time to retroactively build systems that can scale. So we're really investing in our people and and trying to keep the best people around or we we had our our employee turnover at the beginning was, was very high and it's not that way anymore. And we're, we're really investing in keeping our employees happy, which then translates to, to keeping the customers happy. Now we're trying to expand our, our physical space since most of what we sell, we do have to stock. So, you know, our, our, our new warehouse is basically doubles our, our storage space to, to make it easier to supply what we need. It makes it a lot easier to forecast. And, and previously we, when we were ordering in advance, it was very difficult because, you know, we didn't know how much space we would have by the time this product ships in six months. And, you know, you extrapolate that to 10, 20, 30 brands it's hard to know what to order. So now that we have another warehouse, we don't have to worry about over ordering. Eventually we want to increase our, I would say increase our coverage of, of the U S as far as shipping and perhaps have a distribution center somewhere outside of Texas, maybe a couple more to where we can get to the whole country within, within a day or two. Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that, that's what our focus is going to be for the rest of this year. Yeah, awesome. Sounds like a lot of kind of foundational investments that you're making into the business continue to, to let it grow to, the, to, to new heights. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your experience and advice, Eugene. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thanks, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.